Hello, everyone. Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts, Omar Bourne and Allison Panisi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Omar Bourne. And I'm Allison Panisi. Thank you for joining us. We want you to come back as often as you can, so feel free to add Prep Talk to your favorite RSS feed. You can also follow us on social media. Well, Allison, it looks like we've made it to the end. And for our listeners, we're talking about the end of the Atlantic hurricane season. This year, the National Hurricane Center recorded about 15 named storms, eight hurricanes, uh, which are with winds 74 miles or or higher, uh, of which two of them were major hurricanes. And we categorize major hurricanes as uh, storms with winds of 111 miles per hour or greater. That's right, Omar. It looks like we did make it. Um, But of the most devastating storms we saw this year was Hurricane Florence. Our listeners may recall that it made landfall back in September in the Carolinas as a Category 4 hurricane with winds up to 140 miles an hour. Pretty scary. Um, New York City deployed two urban search and rescue teams known as New York Task Force One to assist with the response and recovery efforts in North Carolina, which was absolutely amazing. That's right, Allison, and uh, New York City Emergency Management sponsors New York Task Force One, which consists of highly trained NYPD and FDNY personnel. Now, the team rescued 128 people and 61 animals during its deployment in support of Hurricane Florence. Yep, and here to talk about their heroic work are members of New York Task Force One. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Please welcome to our show Captain Tom Trainer of the NYPD Emergency Services Unit. Um, Captain Trainer was a team lead for New York Task Force One Team Alpha, which was the first team deployed to North Carolina. We also have Battalion Chief Bill Redden of the FDNY. He was the team lead for New York Task Force One Team Bravo, the second team to be deployed to North Carolina. And last but not least, we have John Grimm, who is Assistant Commissioner here at New York City Emergency Management, and he actually oversees the New York Task Force One team. Welcome to Prep Talk, everybody. Assistant Commissioner Grimm, um, I'd like to start with you. So we mentioned New York City Emergency Management is the sponsoring agency for New York Task Force One, um, but can you explain to our listeners what that means? Sure. So our team is one of 28 uh, teams, a part of a national urban search and rescue system. This overall system is managed by FEMA, and it's made up of teams just like us from Miami, Los Angeles, uh, in Texas, all over the country that form this system and are ready and able to respond to natural disasters or man-made disasters throughout the country at FEMA's direction. And so one of our roles here is to really work directly with FEMA for when the team gets activated, where they're to deploy, but then also when we're not being activated, not deploying, to ensure that we're buying the same exact equipment that all the other teams are doing, and we're also conducting the same exact training. So all 28 teams really are equipped and trained to be able to have the same exact capabilities. And our role really is just to make sure that we are meeting those requirements and working with NYPD and FDNY so we're doing it jointly. And this is a year-round process. So when you guys are not responding to a major incident, you're training, you know, keeping up with your, with your training and your work. Yeah, absolutely. Because you just never know when and where disaster is going to strike. Mm-hmm. So you just have to always be on the ready. So we're always in a constant state of ensuring the equipment is ready to go, it's properly maintained, and it's ready to operate. But then also our personnel. 
that our personnel are properly trained, that our mm -hmm. personnel mm -hmm. are, we try to cross-train as much as possible so that people are trained in more than one position to give us that flexibility so that really we, anytime the call comes, we're, we're ready to get out to the door and do our job. And you guys do amazing work. Now, New York Task Force One Alpha team, the first team, was deployed to North Carolina on the anniversary of September 11th. Uh, and the team consisted of 83 personnel. Uh, Commissioner Grimm and Captain Trainer, talk to us about the type of resources and equipment that the team takes on these type of deployment. Sure. So we always take uh, equipment to be able to do collapse structures mm -hmm. so that there's equipment there. You can handle uh, major large scale collapses. Uh, but uh, in this instance, that was really not uh, the threat that people were, were thinking were going to happen. Uh, we also deploy with uh, canine teams that can do uh, live search uh, to help locate people that are trapped. And also we bring a contingency of equipment to do water rescues. And I'll turn over to Captain Trainer to talk maybe about that a little more. Uh, like the commissioner said, we go out with uh, a lot of equipment, uh, the canine teams, uh, our boats. We go out with three John boats. Uh, they are actually uh, flat bottom boats mm -hmm. um, and three inflatable boats, which we'll use for the uh, swift water. Um, also, as the commissioner said, the uh, for collapse structures, we have tech search equipment that we use in case. So we bring all that equipment along with us, mm -hmm. even though it was more of a water environment we were going into. Right. But we always have that equipment with us just in case that, you know, it transforms into something else that, uh, and we just operate in that type of environment then. You're always prepared for the unexpected. Now, Chief Redden, you were part of the second team that deployed, and your team deployed two days after Team Alpha uh, on September 13th. Tell us about your team. Um, well, first, let's start off in the beginning. Um, September 11th, it's always a solemn day for mm -hmm. not only uh, New York City, but for, I would say, you know, for the United States, if not the world. And um, September 11th, in, uh, in that state of solemn, I got a phone call from uh, Assistant Commissioner John Grimm saying that uh, the people down in North Carolina are going to need help. Right. And can we put a second team together? Mm -hmm. And uh, the team they wanted to put together is a mission-ready package, which is a, a short team, we call it. Right. It's um, uh, made up of 18 uh, person, um, and it's a water rescue unit specific. Right. So being a smaller unit, it's swift, nimble, and tactical. So we were able to get that together. Um, and then secondly, getting that phone call on the 11th was really, uh, how would you say, it was um, uh, therapeutic in a way. Right. Uh, for me, and, and I, I would talk for the rest of the team, that it, it gave us something greater to think about mm -hmm. than ourselves that day. Right. And uh, we went right to work. And uh, the 13th morning, uh, after uh, a hard day on the 12th, we put all that equipment together, communications, boats, and um, we got all the equipment together. The 13th morning at 5 o'clock, we were rolling out the door uh, on our way to North Carolina. And, and Captain Trainer, I know uh, we, we hosted a press conference on September 11th uh, when the first team was being deployed. And you, you, you mentioned something that stood out to me, a uh, conversation that you had with your daughter about why you were going down to North Carolina to help others. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little about that? Well, a couple of years ago, uh, my daughter, Sarah, she's 17, uh, when I told her I was joining the team, and what we're going to be doing mm -hmm. uh, with the team, she said that. She goes, people are leaving hurricanes and fleeing the hurricane or tornado. Uh, why are you going in? Mm -hmm. And I said to her, honey, I said, uh, well, you know what? We're trained for it. That's what we do. 
we're going to go down and help people. Right. And when she heard that, she it, something clicked in her head and she was like, I got it, Dad. And she said, just be careful. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, and I think it's, you guys do, like we said before, heroic work. Like this is something that, you know, I, you know, especially sitting here, you know, in emergency management, working in communications, being able to work with all of you, it, it's just, it's humbling to hear like, you know, the experiences that you've, um, that you've had, you know, working with urban search and rescue, working in the fire department, the police department, emergency management. Um, I would really love to dive into your experiences on the ground in North Carolina. So Captain Trainer, your team conducted rescues in various locations, um, in Bayborough, Goose Creek Island, um, Fayetteville, and Chief Fred, and you operated in Riverbend and Pollocksville. Um, can you each share with our listeners about the conditions you saw, the rescues you conducted? Captain Trainer, let's start with you. Well, first of all, uh, like like uh, Chief Fredding here, we're both task force leaders on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got to give credit to the guys that actually are out there doing the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to be able to lead this team going out the door of 83 men and women, highly trained rescue personnel. It's an honor and a privilege to lead the team. Uh, but down in Pamlico County, where we were assigned to, uh, which Bayborough was in, uh, there was a call we got early in the morning at about five o'clock of two guys hanging on a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, the team went out and we actually deployed a second team. There were two guys hanging on a tree overnight and they would have probably for about six hours. It took a little while for the, uh, the rescue guys to, to get them off the tree. Um, and not only getting them off the tree, but just operating the boat. The guys in the boat, Lieutenant uh, Todd Smith from the fire department, uh, and Detective Dennis LaSolvin from the uh, police department, those guys were the ones that were on the boat, uh, part of the team. And listening to them of how they took the two guys off the tree, and then when they got them off the tree, um, we brought them to our medical personnel then they said to the guys, hey, what about the people in the apartment building down the block? So we realized that there was people in the building down the block, but to get the boats down there, we had to cut trees out of the way. Right. So there's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just driving a boat down in the water because the place was flooded. There's a lot of obstacles, trees, hydrants. So I got to give credit to the guys out there, the boat operators that are, that are doing this work. Wonderful. It's exceptional. Wonderful. And uh, Chief Redden, I know... Uh, I also deployed with your team, so I know uh, we were down in Riverbend, and you were operating, and on that first morning, uh, we got the call to, to head out uh, for some people who were, were stuck in homes. Can you tell our listeners a little about that? Um, that, that first morning, um, the hurricane was uh, full force. Um, they uh, assigned us to Riverbend to supplement their 911 calls that you could imagine were through the roof. Uh, We immediately went into action. Uh, The 18 members of the team, fantastic, unbelievable work in the midst of that hurricane, put four boats into the water, Mm -hmm. went out and rescued, uh, you know, multiple, uh, not only persons, but, uh, you know, companion uh, animals. Two, two notable uh, rescues were one, um, a gentleman uh, that evacuated his residence, went to a friend of his that was on higher ground and thought he was safe. But as the water started to rise, they both became uh, in harm's way. So the guys went and um, the guys and girls went and rescued these two gentlemen and uh, I believe three of their dogs. On the way out, one of the gentlemen said, I guess it was meant to be, 
And they said, meant to be? What are, you, what are you talking about? He said, well, I have cancer, and my medicine is in that flooded home. Mm-hmm. So the guy said, well, your medicine is there. Yeah, I just got like $10,000 worth of medicine, but if we can't, you know, if, I, if I'm without it, I'm just not going to take it in anymore, and I'm just going to let, you know, let uh, the nature take its course. So the, the men and women, they turned around and said, not on our watch. Mm-hmm. They went back there in this flooded condition, six feet of water, swam into this, this house, and fe- believe it or not, they found his medicine floating, floating. on uh, floating on a table <laughs> yeah. with red ants all around it. But they, they got the, the medicine, and um, we, we, uh, they, they brought, brought him you know, to, to, uh, to safety. Um, and then another notable, a Marine Corps captain who happened to be, uh, how would you say, isolated from his, uh, his duty station because of the flooding, Took charge of these people and brought them to uh, you know to to uh, to safety, which was just a, a great way to close it out. Right. Um, great Americans all working together. And you guys do, as as we continually say uh, in this podcast, just heroic work, amazing work. Can you describe for us the reactions of the people that you rescue? Uh, well, the people down there they were very very thankful. They couldn't be happier that we were there. Mm-hmm. When they saw like New York Task Force One, when when we left Bayborough, they actually said to us, "How do we get you guys back down here if this happens again?" Right. I said, "Well, that's a bigger, you know, that's a bigger issue. You got to call, <laughs> you know, your governor and everybody else." But uh, <laughs> they were they were very happy to have us there, and it, it was it was a privilege to be there. Right. She I'll go it. back to the old cliche: "A friend in need is a friend indeed." Uh, but <laughs> I gotta say, um, not only, of course, the the people that we rescued were thankful, and just like you or I would be thankful for somebody rescuing us and saving right. our lives, but the people that weren't, how would you say, uh, you know, affected by by the storm or of loss, um, mm-hmm. joined right in and uh, volunteered, and the resilience of the North Carolina people. It was it was uh, heartwarming. Um, one one uh, one one gentleman had told me we're experts at turning lemons into lemonade. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think that uh, is a broad stroke of uh, the North Carolina people. We talk about that about how communities come together during times of disaster. We see that here in New York City also. So it's wonderful to hear from you know that perspective as well. Um, Commissioner Grimm, um, while the teams are deployed, you and your staff are hard at work, and we say at the heart of emergency management is coordination. Mm-hmm. Um, and we like we say that, especially on this podcast, we like to sort of peel back the curtain and explain to our listeners what it is that emergency management does and what type of coordination we do. So can you share with our listeners um, what you and your team are working on um, when you have um, the personnel deployed to places like North Carolina? Yeah, absolutely. So as the team uh, goes out there, we're really that, that back-end support. So we have a team that's uh, back here in New York City that's going to reach out and support the team with whatever they need. Uh, so if there seems to be some uh, piece of equipment or uh, some coordination that they need you know, for either travel arrangements, any type of support that they could possibly need, we're really looking to, to support them on, on, on the back end of that. Uh, and I think back actually of some of the uh, previous deployments that we had. I know the team 
was deployed uh, to Haiti in following the earthquake in 2010. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were operating and there was uh, aftershocks there. So one of the things that we did at that point was we talked to the leadership that was deployed, found out that everybody is accounted for and everybody is safe, and then made sure we communicated that back to NYPD and FDNY so that they would know their personnel are safe and then could communicate that to the families. Mm -hmm. So the families would know, yes, my loved one, you know, yes, they are in Haiti, they are, uh, you know, doing rescue operations, uh, but they are safe and they remain safe through some of those aftershocks. So that piece of communication back with the agencies is very, very important. Uh, and then also if there's equipment that they need. And I remember uh, during Hurricane Harvey when the team was deployed down to uh, to Houston, they needed a specialized saw to be able to cut through some of the roofs uh, to be able to check into the attic spaces. So we had to like just kind of find out anywhere in the nation that had this saw and how fast can we get it down to them. Wow. And so we were able to, to work with the vendor and get it, you know, getting something shipped into a disaster zone can be a little bit challenging. Uh, but, you know, at that point, if they're asking for it, you know, we just have to get it get it to them and keep them working and make sure that they have everything that they need to do this work. So those are some of the things that we're trying to do on the back end. I have to say, fortunately, on uh, this deployment to Hurricane Florence, really we were just staying in touch with them, asking them if they had any needs. Uh, but they seem to be uh, pretty well supported and, and doing pretty well uh, down in North Carolina. So really it was just about communicating information back to the agencies. Mm -hmm. And uh, the team you know, as we were saying, was deployed to Hurricane Florence this year. Uh, and as you mentioned, Commissioner Grimm, uh, they were also deployed to Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, uh, Maria in 2017, Hurricane Matthew in 2016. But I, I want to point out, and you mentioned it uh, with the earthquake in 2010, uh, the team doesn't only deploy two hurricanes. Uh, you mentioned the earthquake. What are some different types of emergencies that you uh, may respond to? Right. So the, the team can do, you know, natural or man-made uh, emergencies uh, that we'll have to deploy to. And, and you, 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 know, you mentioned the team has been deploying since, you know, 1995. Really, mm -hmm. the first deployment the team had was the Oklahoma City bombings. And, right. the, you know, mm -hmm. the team deployed for that. Uh, as we mentioned, it deployed for the, the earthquake in Haiti, but also the, the mudslides in, in Washington. And we can also we have this ability to deploy, you know, very large teams, mm -hmm. also single resources. I think for the mudslides, we were deploying, uh, you know, search and rescue canines mm -hmm. and canine teams, and they were able to go and supplement uh, what resources were there and just be that added, uh, that added capability to hopefully make a difference. You know, so, uh, you know, the team has, you know, really been out the door a lot. It seems like it goes out most often on hurricanes. Mm -hmm. You know, they also did Hurricane Katrina. Um, but really anything, anything that happens that involves, you know, major structural collapse or the threat of major structural collapse, uh, you know, this team will deploy. And again, it's not, not just this team, but it's really a national system. You know, there's 28 teams in this system that are all have that same capability and can, and can do this work. And you guys are making a difference. Absolutely. And I know we touched upon this already. We've used words honor and privilege. Um, but just to close it out, Captain Trainer and Chief Redden, what does it mean to you and your fellow task force members to answer the call? Well, again, Allison, like I said, it, it's an honor and a, a privilege, especially after 9-11, what happened here in uh, New York City, mm -hmm. uh, how this whole country came together and how they all came to New York and helped us out, whether it be uh, food, cooking, uh, just there for support, and for us to be able to go out the door and help someone else in, the, uh, in other parts of the country, again, it's an honor and a privilege. Chief Redden? Um, 
I would have to say, as a leader of this team, I have confidence. I would use the word confidence mm -hmm. because our members are highly trained and highly motivated. And the day that you can take that those two uh, qualities and go out the door and put those qualities to work to help our fellow human, in my book, that's a great day. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned confidence because being down there with you guys and obviously I was there in more of a press role coordinating uh, public information between the teams and the media. Uh, I remember on the first morning uh, we're in the van, we're headed to Riverbend uh, and you know, outside it's dark, it's raining, it's windy and you know, for me being my first time there, uh, you, you get a little nervous but being there with the highly trained uh, FD and NYPD and seeing how calm the team was and knowing that they're going into a mission, they're going to help people, it gave me that confidence and it gave me uh, a calm to know that, you know, it was going to be okay. Uh, and so you guys do spectacular work. Um, you're highly trained. And it was, it's an honor to know and to see what you do and, and what you guys can bring to the table to help your fellow men and women. Mm -hmm. it, it, Omar, if I could just say something, you know, yes, we're highly trained and we, we're glad to go out there and help people. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think Assistant Commissioner said it and Allison, you asked them, like, <clears throat> you're our backbone. Omar, with the press, Assistant Commissioner Grimm back home here. Uh, people don't realize it. like, without them, we'd be nobody. How do we get out the door? It's assistant commissioner gets the call. He's the one that has to reach out to our commissioners, to the mayor's office. And you know what? They're the backbone. So without them, and, and like the commissioner said earlier on, uh, if we need something, we reach back home. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Omar, when you're at the press, you know, putting out positive stuff for us. So mm -hmm. again, I'd like to thank you guys for, for what you do back home here for us. Yeah, we're out there. We might get the press with the rescues and everything. But again, there's people back home that's doing the support that we really appreciate it, and we thank you for that. And and if I can add, too, you know, uh, just to speak for the team, the support, too, for the families back home. Yeah. You know, uh, you can't be on your top uh, top A game if you've got worries back home. Right. But mm -hmm. uh, knowing that, uh, you know, New York City Emergency Management um, and Assistant Commissioner Grimm, they, they, were, they were concerned about our families, um, open door policy, give a call in, you know, to make sure, as, as with the fire department and the uh, police department. So it was, it was good confidence, again, the word confidence, knowing that my family is taken care of back home right. while I'm right. at the tip of the spear. You know, mm -hmm. and I wonderful. think I speak for the for the team on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. And again, just amazing work that you've done. Uh, just to recap, 128 people, 61 animals that you rescued, close to 300 welfare checks. Uh, just basically, you get the call, you go in to make sure that uh, people uh, have physical contact, that they're in their homes and they're okay. And you guys did amazing work, and we're grateful and honored that you were able to go out and help your fellow men and women. Mm -hmm. We're gonna transition into our rapid fire Q&A. Uh, and this is a lighter topic. We basically ask you a few questions and you give us your quickest responses. Uh, one word answers are acceptable. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're gonna start with you, Captain Trainer. Uh, what do you think is the most important emergency preparedness tip? Uh, listen to your local uh, village, town, emergency manager. When they tell you to leave, leave.
Commissioner Graham? I'd say having a communications plan, knowing how you're going to be able to get in touch with people, how people are going to be able to get in touch with you, uh, and then just reiterating, listening, listening to the communications that are being put out by the local officials. Chief Redden. Well, they both took uh, the wind out of my sails <laughs> because uh, that's what I was going to say. Absolutely. Um, as we saw, uh, you know, in Sandy, uh, we lived through it here, and in North Carolina, um, People say, yeah, you know, I've been through this before. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to leave. Um, you know, it's all a bunch of, uh, you know, whatever whatever people think it is. And then they find themselves in harm's way. Right. You know, a car ride for higher land at that moment is, uh, is the way to go. Yeah. Okay. So what is one emergency item you cannot live without? Chief Redden, we'll start with you. Um, I have to say flashlight. Mm-hmm. All right. Or duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I would have to say a knife because you never know when you're out there you have to cut a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> you get hungry, <laughs> Commissioner Grimm. Uh, I was gonna say cash because I feel like you can go ahead and buy the flashlight and the knife because you need it at the time. <laughs> oh, I love it. Good stuff. Um, what is your favorite movie or TV show, Captain Trainer? Uh, how it's made. Okay, wonderful, Chief Redding. Let's see, uh, TV show. Uh, uh, I don't he know, likes ba- Blue Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> My wife actually likes that. Um, I, I, I fall back on Band of Brothers, that, okay. uh, that series, or Game of Thrones. Yes. Ah. Yeah. My kind of guy, yeah, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> I think Game of Thrones gets an uh, honorable mention. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Man in the High Castle right now. Mm. Okay. Got it. Okay, uh, what is currently on your playlist? Uh, Commissioner Graham, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ah, can't go wrong. Uh, bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> and you play the bagpipes, I play right? the bagpipes, yes. <laughs> Chief? Uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's stuck in the 80s, so uh, any music. Uh. I'm all about it. I'm a classic rock person. We'll all talk offline about all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, to bring it home, can you sum up the work that you do with... Uh, New York Task Force One in one word. Captain Trainer. Honor. Chief Redden. Rewarding. Wonderful. Commissioner Grimm. Privilege. All great answers. I love it. All right. Again, special thanks to Captain Trainer, Chief Redden, Assistant Commissioner Grimm for joining us for this special edition of Prep Talk to discuss the Urban Search and Rescue Team, New York Task Force One. For more information on New York Task Force One, you can follow our agencies on social media or visit our respective websites on nyc.gov. That's this edition of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared. <laughs>